0: Yes, uh, I'm the director of Church Planning International, Stephen Shepard, live in Indian land, South Carolina near Charlotte, and uh, first of all, I just want to thank all of you for your prayers, your love, your financial support, you make it possible for us to continue on with our mission, and we're we're truly grateful for that, and um, we have a table out in the fellowship Hall, and we have um, our brochures and newsletters and uh, you can sign up for our, our newsletter, which we put out basically quarterly. And uh, there's some handicrafts there that come from the mission fields where we labor. And so um, I'd love to have you uh, take the literature and uh, get our newsletter, that'd be great. Um, some of you already do. So I'm going to stand, I guess, over here. I'm not blocking anyone, am I? No? All right. All right. So last time I was here was 2020 in August, and uh, the service was canceled, but we still streamed everything. And so uh, I'm glad to be here now after two years. So most of these pictures... And little video clips are since that time, since that time. Not all of them. Some of them are older. So um, we work in uh, Mexico and, and Uganda and Peru and now Myanmar. Okay, well, um, oh, I need my, my clicker. Yeah. I trust this is on? Is it? No, I have to turn it on. Okay. Yeah, let's see it. Oh, there we go. I wonder if we could kind of turn off the lights. I think it would be, might even be better possible. Turn off some of the lights. That'd be great. Yeah. Thank you. Good. Yeah, that's good. So CPI's mission is to preach the good news of Jesus Christ, train leaders, and aid in planting, strengthening, and multiplying of churches around the world. Preach the good news. We believe that, that that's the most urgent thing, urgent need of the whole world is the gospel of Jesus Christ because people are lost and dying and uh, that the judgment of God awaits people unless they come to know personally Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. So this there couldn't be a more urgent need of the world. So we believe in preaching the gospel and Planting churches, um, we, I'm going to switch to that. These are our core values. I'm, I'm going to emphasize uh, the planting of churches and leadership training and also compassion or helping the needy. But these are our core values. Christ, Christ-centered, the biblical gospel, that is the gospel of Christ alone, by grace alone, through faith alone. Christ. And so uh, that the message is very important. Without the right message, then people's lives will not be transformed. God uses the message of the biblical gospel to save the lost and also to transform us. So the message is very important. We're interested in playing churches that have that biblical message, biblical gospel. And then church planning uh, we have the guidance of the Spirit, prayer, church planting, uh, because it's the church that has to carry on the work in every community. When um, we've been, I've been working with uh, missions since the late '70s, and we started as missionaries in Mexico since in 1982. We were going down, and things were happening, and but you just can't do go down just a one-time thing, and then what happens after that? So. It's the church that is left needs to be planted and established. They're the ones that need to continue the work, continue to preach the gospel, continue to reach out to the needy. And, and they're the ones that, 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 that must do the work. So we, I, I had a vision for the church that it wasn't enough just to go and, and minister someplace, that, that uh, the church was God's plan to reach each local community. And then leadership training, without the right leader, everything will fall apart. And I've seen that time and time again. So we invest all we can in training leaders in through Bible institutes and through training conferences, through books, training leaders and the leader is so important. He must be called of God And he must be a person of character that really fears the Lord, that's in it for the right motivations and uh, somebody that that has the right message and that can be trusted. And so uh, a leader that, that is called of God, that loves the Lord and fears the Lord, he will persevere in that work and it will bear fruit. But otherwise, the wrong leader will abandon the work or he'll fall into sin or he'll preach uh, a message that won 't help anyone, and so the leadership training is so important and especially in the foundational truths of the gospel, more important than ministry training than missions training is is biblical training also ministry training is important and working through relationships it 's through building relationships that that the ministry spreads and that that we 're able to to come to have these partnering relationships. we work through national Native missionaries, national church planters. Our part is to come alongside of the one God is calling and, and train and equip and uh, partner with them in their work. Uh, sometimes it means providing a little money for gasoline or family support so they can go to these unreached places, and, and we partner with them as a team. And uh, Indigenous methods, that means that, that uh, indigenous methods are methods that, that uh, bring about a work that is not dependent upon outsiders for its continuance. It's, it's, it's rooted it's in the uh, native soil and it has continuance, cultural sensibility for the long term, uh, that work can have permanence and continuity and continue to, to bear fruit um, over the long term. And then unreached, we, we prioritize unreached peoples and unreached communities, unreached and receptive peoples as well. Um, unreached people groups and also sometimes the people group is reached, but there are so many villages that have no churches, so the people live there Really, with no hope, they have no one, uh, they're out of the reach, out of the reach of the gospel. There's no one that would share the gospel with them. So we love to go to these places that have no churches and partner with our native workers that have been trained in the biblical message so that they could go and proclaim the, the gospel, love the people, worship, teach them the worship, and then a the church is started in that community where before there was none. And this is, this is our mission. Um, so I, I want to emphasize in the different fields about church planning, about training leaders, and then also about compassion. Um, sometimes we do a lot of that. It's really, we're not really a relief organization, but sometimes it almost appears like we are sometimes because you just can't ignore needs. There are operations people need, or they might die, or life and death, operations that they need, and childbirth, and, and um, uh, businesses, small businesses to help pastors to be able to sustain themselves, and uh, the medicines and food that people need, and, and uh, this, is, this is the fruit of our faith, to, to share compassion. We cannot separate sh- uh, compassion from the gospel. It goes together, the love of Christ. Well, this is um, when we first became missionaries in Mexico in 1982, and um, our Sarah and Samuel and then Christy was pregnant with Josiah at that time, and uh, we, we, had, we were faith missionaries. We had almost no support, and we saw God provide in, in miraculous ways, and uh, he, he provided for us, and he's still providing for us today. And so I, I give him all the glory for that. He sustained us. This is the church that was raised up there in uh, Mexicali, Mexico, the buildings that were built. Um, and then that was uh, 1986 we left and we came back to Ohio and uh, I uh, picked up some work and then I, there, we had a pastor the church in the inner city and and then in 1996 was called back to missions full time and Devoted my, my uh, life's work to directing Church Planting International. And um, this is a work in, in, in the interior of Mexico, West Central Mexico, and the church that was started there. And we've been involved in a number of church plants there that are functioning very well and on their own. And uh, so we were just there. During COVID, I wasn't able to travel because there were so many restrictions in these countries, and they were locked down, and churches weren't meeting and uh, there, uh, so uh, there was no point in going and and so we we, um, we did other things uh, we we continued to partner with our native church planners, and we we really got involved in in uh, helping the needy during those those days. now i'm beginning to travel again, so my wife and I went to that's the the church in, in Tapec in the city, and we still work in in the mountains amongst the Huichol people. Uh, Mexico has some 200 language groups, and so uh, this is the Huicholis. They have about 40,000 Huicholis, about 400 communities, very, very remote, and uh, we started working with them in about 1999, and... There's a church in the mountains that we continue to work with because it's still not fully established and um, this is the the road through the mountains, most of which is unpaved roads you um, it's about six hours to get to this village and then there are communities that after that, after there's no more roads you'd walk for t- for two days to get to other other communities and people are there. How will they hear the gospel and and to be able to get to them is not easy, but, but we have to try to get to the people and share the gospel with them. So there's a um, church then that was planted in these mountains where there was no church before. This is what it's like to travel through the mountain roads. so the Huicholis are um they're animus they worship the spirits of nature there's shamans there's witch doctors they smoke peyote and the christians are being persecuted in in these huichol communities because they're they're seen as uh people that have abandoned the huichol traditions and cultures and um and so they they they're threatened with expulsion and and they're being persecuted. But this group has hung on. This pastor here on the right, this is one of the reasons we're still working there, is because he, at the age of 38 years old, went to be with the Lord unexpectedly. And his widow there, Asusena on the left, then she doesn't speak the language. Uh, She's Mexican and he's Huichol. He spoke Spanish and Huichol. And we, so we, we go. I try to go every year, and I try to send other of our coworkers from the city to go and encourage the church. And the grace of God has been upon them. And even though they've had no pastor since 2015, now seven years, they've uh, they've held together and they they uh, have have maintained the ministry through through the people in the congregation. But they needed uh, they need a pastor. They've they've turned the ministry in Spanish. They need to really hear the word in their native language, and they need a, a wecho pastor who speaks their language could live amongst them. But we went there just recently then uh, in February of this year. That's my wife, Christy. And um, yep, there she is. And Asusena, the widow. And these are some of the scenes from the village of Guadalupe, Ocotan. Just a whole different world up there. Well, outside kitchen. Then'm going back there, there's that outside kitchen, okay, yeah making grinding the corn and making the tortillas and we we do the training workshops and trying to teach the people to preach through taking the passage of scripture and reading it and expounding on it um and then they would they meet every night when we're there, and they come and they pray and we sing and we We share the word. So we've tried to find a pastor and we thought we had one two times and then it just didn't work out. And then God began to do a work of his spirit amongst the young people. And so we sent two of the young people for training, ministry training in the south. And, and this is Elian, and now he's about 19. He's on fire for God. He grew up in the church, and he's begun to minister the word in, in Huichol. And it was being done in Spanish, more in Spanish. And uh, when he speaks in Huichol, they, they're just ears they prick up because they're hearing the, the word in their mother tongue. And um, they some of them don't hardly understand Spanish, and certainly words like abstract words like faith and repentance and forgiveness and grace and holiness these words are are, are abstract and they don't often have words even in their language to express these things so to hear the word in their own language is what they need and uh, we uh, it says he's going to continue his training in august this would be biblical training but there was an accident above his father and his family, and he now is going to stay, and he's going to go next year. So we're again, we want to invest in leadership training, biblical training, and missions training as well. Uh, so on, this is our team. Um, the bottom row, Christy and I, and our two Mexican coworkers who went with us, and then on, above there are the is the ministry team of which Elyon, and then on the right, Paloma. She's She's the daughter of, of uh, the, the pastor who passed away. And uh, Asusena is on the far left. And uh, so you can pray for this church in Guadalupe, Ocotan, the, uh, that they would be established and that God would raise up young alien. We, we're not calling him a pastor, but he's, he's uh, the one that's giving the word now and developing in his gift and doing it in the Wecho in the, in, in the language. He's, he's fluent in Spanish as well. So that's um, Mexico, and now going to Peru. Peru is where we have, I think, our biggest concentration of ministry, and and where the Lord has graciously brought forth a, um, a big increase in in, in um, churches being planted and leaders being trained. And um, so uh, I'll talk a little bit about tr- uh, the planting of churches. There we have um, quite a few now, a native native partners and we have a, a, a Bible school called Word of Grace Palabra de Gracia and um, our students now are uh, some of them have completed the whole program over the last 5 years and they're out planting churches and they're teaching the things that, that they've been that they've learned and this is and along the river there's all these rivers and uh, some of these rivers and the boats that they normally take would be 10, 12 hours to get there by river. And then there's a fast boat that gets there in maybe half the time. And so um, Adolfo on the far right went to back to where he was raised and there was no church there. And uh, he now lives in the jungle city, jungle city of 300,000 people. And that's where we have our mission base and our our Bible school. But he went back there to live and he's there now. And this is a a daughter church, Dos de Mayo, that was planted by... Uh, Adolfo, the second church that he's planted that's uh, near the other church. And this is the uh, church that he planted uh, in um, Puerto Nuevo, the Shipibo, Shipibo's people uh, along the, um, one of the major tributaries of the Amazon River in the um, Peruvian jungles. And so there's a short, there's uh, Adolfo with a Shipibo New Testament. And here's a little bit of the story. It's supposed to glitch like that, doesn't do that on my computer, but it's glitching back there for whatever reason, the streaming or, I don't know if there's any way of correcting it for the other videos. The first one didn't do that, but we'll see what happens. Anyway, yeah. Uh, so here's another one of our students and he's a church planner. he's working in all five of these villages, the Valle de Lirios and Egipto and Santa Marta had no churches before. And, um, and and he's partnering with other of our students and one of them uh, has uh, lived there uh, long term now and these are villages that had no churches before and uh, just wonderful to see i was actually kind of surprised at the initiative that they're all taking that they been, they were motivated we i just i didn't say hey why don't you go to such and such a village they took it upon themselves to to um, look up the unreached villages uh, along the uh, river and go there and preach the gospel and establish churches, these are some others of our students that are working there 's about there 's about seven of them that are playing churches and others that are ministering. This is santa Marta. we uh, this is the building project they 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 cut timbers from the jungle and they get it up to the roof and we usually help them with the corrugated steel roof so that they have a meeting place. These are the yoruba people. There's only about six or seven hundred of them. They live in a very remote area that the government had forbidden us to go to for whatever reason. We go to other tribal groups in their in their remote areas but but not them. So we with Wycliffe, we began to help bring them to where we were and have conferences, had about six conferences, and Jesus was really new to everybody, and they hardly knew anything about Jesus. Some didn't, knew virtually nothing about Jesus. And so then after six years, finally, uh, some of them wanted to be baptized, and now they, they began to meet in their, in their village. So nine of them were baptized, and uh, this is uh, Yora now baptizing in their village, and this is one of their village scenes there, uh, in Santa Rosa, uh, a very remote, where there'd be no roads or anything, you, you'd have to get there by boat. And then in Lima, we do church planning, again, with the same message of, of, um, of, the, of the solas, the five solas, and, and teaching people the, the spiritual foundations, the biblical foundations that are so transforming. And uh, Tony L there, and he's working in about three church plants, and he kind of helps him get started. And then he goes someplace else, and Orlando and Consuelo working in Lima. Lima has l- tons of churches, but not hardly very few that have a sound message. They signs and wonders, and it's all emotionalism, or it's the prosperity gospel, and it's and and so it's it's not. And they they were into these things themselves, and when they when they received the teaching. Um, a, Of of grace, then they were set free and they were more empowered that way than they had been with uh, seeking all the experience for themselves. They were more empowered by the gospel of grace and so this is what they preach. We also have the leadership training, the word of grace in the jungles. That's our uh, base in uh, in Pucallpa in the jungle city Um, in the auditorium, training center, showers and outdoor... Bathrooms and whatnot, and some of our teachers, they I wasn't able to go, so they, they we helped them to go to Pucallpa and 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 uh, hold sessions for Word of Grace. Casey on the far left, he's one of our missionaries, and he lives on the center there, and the other two brothers came from Lima to teach, and uh, there's Jose Luis teaching at the Word of Grace in November, and uh, one of our young students who's now, um, really is pastoring at at a church uh, near Pucapa, and um, the Yorá students, now they're not really taking the classes for credit, but they're listening and learning these ones that have better Spanish that happen to be in Pucapa who, who come to our sessions. Some of our students there at Word of Grace, and we're involved with four um, Bible institutes or training centers, um, one, two with different jungle tribes out in their communities, the Shipibo, then the faraway community, a Bible institute, and then with the Matse's, and this is a mission school that one of our native workers has started, and and we have teachers that help teach in, in the mission school, and this is our missionary Casey, his wife Julie, she's Peruvian, he's American, and this is um, the training center in the village of Contamana, the town of Contamana, it's the opposite direction from Puerto Nuevo, uh, down the river hours and hours, and uh, they go, they were coming to our center, and it was just too hard for them to be trained at our center, too far away, too expensive, so they, our workers, took the training to them, and they go periodically, and spend uh, I think about a week, and, uh, and they give their classes. Is, let's see how this video works. This is arriving at the little village there, the town, and these are the students there out in Contamana, Shipibo's, Shipibo's students there, and um, he, he managed to get these study Bibles and he's distributing the study Bibles, and um, that's Cesar there by the window, and he's another one of our teachers, and he's really our representative in, in the Peruvian jungle, and uh, he's a pastor and he, he's a missionary to, to tribes. This is the Matseis. This is why we went to Peru to begin with, 1999. Uh, this is the right after contact in 1969. They were a fierce tribe. They killed outsiders. Uh, the Peruvian government didn't know what to do. They contacted Wycliffe. Can you make contact with them? A couple of women in their 40s, um, single women, finally made contact with them after six years of trying and um, then uh, learned the language, taught them to read and write, and uh, translated the New Testament and gave it to them in 1994 and 1999. She invited us to go and and help train the the pastors because people just responded and churches were planted, but the, the pastors knew very little and they weren't trained, and so that was our role. So we went uh, every couple years, every, excuse me, every, couple, every six months, two times a year, to train the pastors. And now Casey has a, a seminary there, and he is teaching um, uh, training there. Uh, we had, like, shorter conferences, and then has, he has a, a regular seminary amongst the Matseis. This is the Amazon jungle. I can't, I don't know how, if I can communicate how immense it is, how dense it is how many rivers there are. Some of them are like creeks. The the more narrow the river, the more isolated they are, the harder they are to get to, the more likely they are to be unreached. And so, but you can get to them. You have to fly in by small plane to whatever airstrip is available and then take boats. And and they live there. If you've seen the movie, read the book, End of the Spear, these are very similar groups uh, like that and the matzais were, were just like that. Um, and so this is, uh, they, they hunt, they fish, there's no roads, um, they, they have gardens, and this is how they live. In the village there, in a small plain, um, some of our conferences, scenes from our conference, and the pastors going by boat, up to two days they would go. They'd either go like an hour, or up to two days, maybe 20 churches, we would have 70 or 80 people. Started out with about thirty, and it just whoops. So this is the Matze Seminary, and what blesses me is how many young Matzes there are. There's some of the older ones that we worked with, and now the work is being carried forward with the young, the next generation, which is great uh, that they're passing it on to their, to the younger generation. And this is the uh, CPI Center in Lima that God enabled us graciously to help finish Um, we we received a grant and we were able to help uh, build this uh, uh, center and there's a church on the bottom and then the pastoral house and then a kind of a guest house for CPI so if you want to come then there's a place to stay and it's it's the bottom and then March in 2022 so we were just there and we held a retreat now Peru was hit very hard with COVID and many people died and hospitals were collapsing and uh, people were stretched out in the entryways and uh, they all knew I don't know how so many people died they knew people died they were locked down strictly there was there was a lack of food and all that and so they haven't been meeting too long, so then this retreat comes, and they had started to meet, but they were, they were just kind of starved for fellowship, and we brought the ones from the... I couldn't go to the jungles because I needed a COVID test in order to go, and there wasn't one in the jungle city so I could come back, so I wasn't able to go. So we flew our leaders from the Pucallpa to to Lima, and... They didn't really, many of them didn't know each other, so they got to know one another, and there's just, when they came together after having all this pent-up uh, hunger for fellowship, and they just, there was an outpouring of love, outpouring of joy, and it was just beautiful. These are the ones who came from the jungles, or, or two or three of them were already in Lima, and, uh, and we had about, what, 50 people there, and we stayed together. Yeah.
1: <laughs> they were
0: just so overjoyed to see one another. Yeah, and it was—it was like it was—it was a taste of heaven. It was for three days, people fellowshipping and loving one another, and eating together and rejoicing and hearing the word and worshiping, and um, and that and uh, so. Oop. There we go. All right. Okay. The love of God. These are scenes from the retreat, three day retreat. After the retreat, we held uh, Bible studies at the base. At, in the evenings, and then I like to just try new places. And so, up on top of the hills, who lives there? And so, we a bunch of us climbed up to the top. It was so steep, and there's all these ketchwas on top, and no churches. So we went there, and we called on people, and shared some food and the Bible study. And now the Church at the bottom there at the center, they want to continue that and go once a week. So I don't know whether they're doing it or not. And sometimes they do, and sometimes they don't. But this is how new churches get started where they're needed. And so this is our hope. And this is some of the COVID relief when I couldn't go. And this was, we did this from well, almost two years, a year and a half anyway, of pretty much monthly. Uh, and, and what was great about it was our native workers—they know the people who need it the most—and so they, they distributed the food and to the ones who needed the most. And uh, they were the instruments, and uh, they're the ones that um, then um, were used of God and, and connected with the people, and it just um, it gave them fit more favor with the people, and, and, and needs were met for COVID. Uh, because there was people that they just didn't have food and uh, here's another example of uh, the Ministry of Compassion. Pastor Orlando had a prosthetic leg and uh, wasn't able to make a living so we helped him. uh, This this is a taxi, It's it's a motorcycle driven cart and so he's able to make money for his family driving this as a taxi. Uganda, um, Pastor Isaac, uh, in the west, we have workers in the west, in the east, and in the center. And this is a, uh, the church in the village of Malombi. I've been there uh, four times now, and um, another church in Bundibujo town, that's a new church that we're helping them with, and uh, then helping them build this building, uh, another uh, Place they had to get out of that place, and now they're here. And so they needed a, a building, and God provided for these things. And so um, we don't have a large fund or anything, but uh, when God provides, and we're enabled to partner, and now they have a, a worship place, a much lower rent than before. This is a, a one of the churches uh, in a very remote village. They're near the border of Congo, and there's mountains around about, and these little communities tucked away. And um, so this is, uh, we, I think we, helped, we bought, helped buy the property and then the roofing. But, um, and then so some of the church planters that are in, in the west and all the way to the east, they're on the right. And he's now planted two churches, um, both of, in places where there were no churches before. And this is the one in the eastern Uganda there and in a short time all these people began coming and then in the west in the uh, nearby uh, then they, they started in the kate. and uh, the church they just met under that lean to and then uh, we were able to help them uh, with this uh, building which is not terribly expensive but much better than what they had with what they call iron sheets and timbers and um, then this is another church that's built the same way that we were able to help them with. So we do help with some church construction. And uh, this is a and leadership training in training leaders, investing in leaders, uh, men that are the call of God, that have a godly character to fear the Lord, that have the right message so that they can then uh, continue on with the work and uh, multiply the disciples and the churches in, in their areas. And uh, this is John, and he has a training center. He has two training centers now. We were able to help him with a couple, with rooms, uh, classrooms in both. Uh, that's another training center. There's about... Uh, some. And then also another way is to send students to existing Bible schools. So these are five Ugandans that we've helped sponsor to send to different Bible schools that have good teaching then helping the needy in Uganda. When we first went there, we uh, were in contact with this God's Mercy School. There were 230 children now. There's 300, and um, they had they had literally nothing, and they needed everything in their school. People are very very poor. Some of them only eat one meal a day, and the children were coming to school with. Only one meal, and we're having a hard time concentrating. So we started by helping them meet the physical needs and then moved from there to helping the plant churches in the area there. How are you? We are fine. Can you wave to the people? Yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. God bless you. Yes. Thank you. This is a typical home made of um, reeds. And uh, and kind of poles and reeds with the dirt floor mud. And um, this is a home of that man there, uh, which is actually Isaac's father. He lives there. This is how many of the children are. Um, sometimes they have one set of clothing and then they wear out. And this is what they have. So the needs are very critical, and there's really, we, we, it's hard to know, we get asked to help by so many people, and uh, we can't help everyone, so that's something that I need prayer for, and we help as much as we can with, um, with the physical needs. And um, a feeding program was started then, uh, to feed, like a school lunch, beans and maize, and so it's corn, basically corn and beans and, and every day that they go to school, five days a week. This is the old God's Mercy school and the classroom. And um, I guess the government schools are so bad that the teachers aren't motivated to teach. They collect their pay, and the parents are motivated. They just want them to go to other schools. And so they actually were learning quite a bit here, despite the fact that they have almost no resources. There's another classroom. They have that blackboard and they have those benches. They have the dirt floor. It's a classroom at God's Mercy School. So God, there was a man who went with us and he became a donor to certain things that he wanted to support and we coordinated and facilitated and um, got reports and tried to make sure that Accountability and so these two buildings. This is the new God's Mercy School that has just been finished, 10 classrooms, and that's students at the God's Mercy School. We go. Whoop. Oh, happened. Okay. We go. But people say that, that that they have witnessed a miracle in the raising up of the school. I would never have expected it. It's just something that, by the providence of God, came along and we facilitated it. And uh, desks were were bought, and let's see, um, different motorcycles have been provided. And Richard, there on the east, if you remember the the two churches, and he. They were walking long ways. Some of them walked miles to go to the church plants. And they were ma- maintaining the two churches. She would go to one, he would go to another. And now they have a motorcycle at least. And his teeth were damaged by an, some kind of an accident. And when he would go to preach, they would make fun of him. And he was ashamed. And so we were able to help him with his teeth. And you can see at the bottom what a difference it made. Um a micro-business there. Uh, Let's see. Uh, Pastor Jimmy, in 2016, his home was burned, and so he he has eight children, and they all were living and sleeping in that one room on the left, one room and for years. And then uh, we were able then, uh, when money came in, we were able to help him build a four-room place, still built the same way but much bigger on the right there, Jimmy's house. Pastor Jimmy, one of the pastors. Isaac has about seven or eight churches now there and um, training leaders, helping the needy. And so um, we partner with people like that. He's got really good um, sound doctrine and um, a man of um, integrity. And so we work with him in the uh, east near Congo. And this is Elosius. Now Elosius had his roof burned out, uh, blown off in a storm and they were they put some kind of plastic over it and they actually when it rained they had to all huddle in the area where they wouldn't get wet and stand and try to sleep standing. And so it was really I mean, so these are the kind of needs that that are there everywhere in Uganda. And when there are people we know and they tell us and if we can help then we do. And so this is this is you you don't just Preach, you have to. Uh, you. This is a fruit of our, our our faith. We're called to show compassion, and so that's part of what we we do. Covid relief there, and there were times people couldn't go out and do their humble work. People wouldn't hire them, and they were shut down. And there were people literally starving in Uganda, and uh, so we tried to help as much as we could. And the pastors then would distribute the food in Uganda uh, there and in this case bedding bedding Um, this is Abraham in Myanmar who uh, we help him basically rent his house which doubles as his church and he he has a church and he he goes out and ministers to Buddhists, Hindus and Muslims and shares the gospel and teaches them Uh, we hope to get him a motorcycle Because they had a coup there and the government took his motorcycle because they wanted it and his cell phone. And so now he needs another transportation. It says he knows how to avoid the government. The government's been very oppressive, the military coup there in in Myanmar. Well, um, okay, so we're almost done. Uh, This is, go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, the Great Commission. And the word means... Eth- ethnos or people groups all the people groups we work with quite a number of people groups now and um, I thought you'd like to hear maybe them sing in their language the little clips of them singing I hope that uh, it will work pretty well the video clip there and um, most of the pe- ethnic groups there are represented in this, this there. <laughs> Just our retreat just happened. Thanks for listening and watching, and um, I hope you'll keep praying for us. There's, there's so many needs out in the mission field to plant churches, to train leaders, to help the needy, and uh, you're a part of it. And this is an extension of your church, and so I thank you so much. God bless you, and uh, it's close for the word of prayer. Lord, thank you for this time uh, just to consider the commission you've given to your church to go and make disciples of all the nations pray lord that you would just give us a vision for that and and a burden in our hearts to reach the lost but in a way that uh, would build for permanency for the long term that your church could be planted in these places that uh, where there are no churches lord help us to be faithful and to continue serving you until we go to be with you or you come back for us. In Jesus' name, amen.